afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up and welcome in. This is Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. And alongside me, as always, is Luke Smith, who despite very little sleep and plenty of traveling over this past weekend, is back and ready to roll today. Week one of college football is in the books, and we've got plenty to talk about. Hopefully by now everyone's heart rate has returned to normal levels in the aftermath of Notre Dame's overtime victory against Florida State. Look, it certainly wasn't perfect, wasn't always pretty, but it was a win on the road in a hostile environment to open the season as Notre Dame won 41-38 in overtime on the leg of Jonathan Doerr, who cashed in a 41-yard field goal to end it. There was plenty to like and not like from the game, so we'll be joined by Greg Flamung of UHND.com to go over all of that here in a bit. But Luke, we've got to start with your weekend, man. In Charlotte for the Georgia-Clemson game on Saturday, then Notre Dame-Florida State in Tallahassee the very next day. How are you feeling right now? I'm exhausted, not going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, I've had back-to-back 6 a.m. flight days off like two hours of sleep. Like I think I was out in Charlotte till like, two on Saturday night and then out last night in Tallahassee till like three. So that was like, I don't know, but um, it was a great weekend. Uh, I wish I could have enjoyed last night's game more. I really did not enjoy it at all. Uh, it was very painful. I'm, honestly, I felt physically sick watching the last 10 minutes, um, but winning is hard. We got one and uh, be right. Yeah. I was in Charlotte for the Duke's Mayo classic. Actually got this hat on right now from the game. Uh, <laughs> That's so great. Got the logo. Uh, that was a much better experience in bank of America stadium than the last time you and I were there in December. Uh, Low bar, P- but <laughs> yeah, I was getting PTSD a little bit because our tailgate was right by clutch, which was that place we went to before the game. So I, it's kind of shaking a little bit, but uh, it was it was good. Uh, I mean, the game actually sucked. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Like there was not an offensive touchdown scored between number three and number five. So, and maybe that should make you think that hey, maybe nobody's good except Alabama this year. Um, but uh, it was a great environment for college football. Like I got the chills when the, uh, they did like a parachute in the American flag and game ball and uh, like full capacity stands for the first time and two years i mean it was electric i got the chills um so that was a lot of fun flew to tallahassee sunday morning and um off very little sleep (laughs) and uh then kind of just kept the day going from there uh i don't know why we didn't go to state schools like sometimes i think like you watch these yeah i mean i I barely went to any tailgates for that like i went to maybe one for 10 minutes before the game we were just kind of at some of the bars in tallahassee which are just insane college bars like with rooftop <laughs> pools and stuff like no way yeah a rooftop yeah. pool oh yeah oh yeah it was nuts so um, not like cj's or new no no you're spending like like i get like three drinks it's like eight bucks and like there's a rooftop pool I'm like where the hell am i right now but 
That said, I don't think we need to play any more games in Florida anytime soon. But yeah, uh, I'm back in Chicago now, and uh, I'm excited to be in South Bend, one and zero this this coming weekend. But uh, yeah, lots to lots to take away in this game. So uh, with that, let's go to Greg Flamont. All right, we're joined now by Greg Flamung, writer for UHND.com and host of the Single High Pod and the Untitled Notre Dame USC Football Podcast. Um, let's get right into it. What are the three things you like the most from Sunday? Uh, yeah, first, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, very happy to talk about the game. Um, I It would not be very on brand for me if I didn't just come out right out of the gate and talk about my guy, Kyle. Um, you know, I, it's very hard. I was I was wondering... And I've been on this thing about him playing offense all year. And I think the reason for that is I want to make sure that a talent like him can affect the game. Um, and he, he, he did it without having to play offense. He, he, he made a couple of plays like the one pick is obviously um, sublime and not of this earth. So that's obviously good. But um, just to have two interceptions, another breakup that led to an interception on fourth down, he can clearly he can re- clearly raise the level of the team and just kind of like be responsible for wins as a defender, which is very hard to do. Um, so that was one. And, um, you know, the second one, I think, was Kevin Austin in the second half. I was a little bit worried about, you know, the, the lack of his usage in the first half um, to the point where I thought, I don't know, like this Kevin Austin thing, maybe it's just like a practice a practice thing that's just not going to manifest itself in games. And then he came out and just proved to be a playmaker. He proved to be a dude um, th- winning jump balls, you know, catching the ball in the flat and putting a juke on and getting 17 yards on first and 15. Like that is again, just what you want to see from someone who has the potential to be a number one wide receiver. Um, didn't have that last year. We had it with chase in 2019 and we, we kind of know what, you know, that can lead to. So, um, that was, that was really heartening to see. And then the last one, just, you know, I guess the, the passing game in general, um, from Jack Cohn, I thought things got a little bit, you know, hectic at times, a little bit rushed on his end, but you know, it's, it's been a year since he's played. Um, and obviously, you know, going to Dope Campbell while he's played in big games before, this is another one of those instances where it's, it's a tough environment and he came through, um, gave the team a cushion and, you know, look, you, you score 38 points that should be good enough to win most games. And I think it probably will be as the season goes on. Um, and if it's not, then we've got bigger problems beyond the quarterback. So those, those are the three things that I'm going to kind of highlight there. Yeah, Luke, what was that environment like? You said before the game you weren't anticipating anything too crazy, but you were there. How do you feel about it? I mean, I would say that it definitely gained some steam as they stayed in the game longer and longer. But I will say that prior to the game, like I, I didn't run into a single Florida State fan that predicted they were going to win the game. Like I mean, I've never had that happen before, and it honestly was a little bit unnerving to me. I like when fans are cocky, and there was none of that at all, which probably should have been a, a sign to me that it could get a – become a wacky night and and it ended up being that way. I guess so they had a flyover and I think that that always kind of makes the hair on your arm stand up a little bit. But um, I I don't know. I guess like 
the whole Chief Osceola thing, like it was a little bit like it just took forever for him to actually plant the spear. And I was kind of just like, <laughs> when is he going to go and do this? He's just <laughs> riding around the field for forever. Um, but I, I don't know. Like you, I, you could definitely tell people were excited to be back in a full stadium. But uh, I didn't get the sense like I've had it in the past. You walk into Miami, it's like, oh, this is going to be a long night. I didn't get that sense. But then as we got later into the night, I'm like, oh, geez, this is turning into the Texas five years ago. So I'm glad we got out of there with the win, and I don't think I never need to go back. But uh, it was a good environment for college football. All right, what about the game, though? What were the things you liked the most? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go just with the first drive. I, I loved how they came out, just guns a-blazing, kind of just throwing the ball. They, I don't think they had a run on that drive. And I really liked that they, they went for it on fourth down, just trying to send a message that – that's what they're going to do and, and impose their will on the other team. Obviously, it was a busted coverage that led to the 41-yard mayor touchdown, but I still really liked seeing that. Um, and then I'll also just go, I mean, Greg talked about it already, but that the second Hamilton pick was just <laughs> – I saw that open receiver, and I was like, oh, no, this is a big gain. And then he came out of nowhere. I just see this just kind of blur of white, like, uniform just flash in front of my eyes. And then I don't know how he was able to stay in bounds and make that catch, too. That was the other thing. And I, I haven't really watched all of the clips on it, so um, I, I don't have a great – but just, like, live, I'm like, how did he stay in bounds on that? So – that one was huge. Obviously a huge play in the game following the first pick he had, which kind of just turned the momentum a little bit. So that was great to see. Um, and then I'll go my, my third thing, just kind of the resiliency of Jonathan Dorr. I mean, he really faded down the stretch last year, but he was nails last night. Uh, he hit a 48 yarder and then the game winner from 41 out, obviously. Well, I think he was your, Brothers Bar and Grill Award winner preseason. No, that was yours. Known as the guy. Who, yeah, that was yours. Cause I put oh, the oh, line. Me? Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, that's oh, yours. It was me. Okay, so that was known as the guy who will frustrate you at times but always come through when it matters. So that looks pretty good yeah, so Yeah, it's far. like when you get the brother's wing order that actually comes out and it's real meat. You actually get to enjoy it. Yeah. Greg, what was your reaction to Kyle taking off his helmet? How did you feel about it? Uh, glorious. Listen, you make a, <laughs> I thought so too, yeah. I, I think I, I, like, think, I, uh, I think um I think Brian Kelly said it. Like, you make a play like that, take your helmet off. It's fine. Yeah, he did say that. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, like, look. It's next level when you taunt the crowd from the opposing team's bench. I mean, that's that's what it <laughs> yeah. is right there. You don't, you just don't see that. So that's sauce. I like it. Show me the spiciness. Yeah, that fifteen-yard penalty might make him like a hundred fifty thousand more in NIL deals because he's just the man, and I, everyone gets. I to was see totally that thinking like that's branding. That is totally. Yeah, branding. it is, and yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. And it's funny because like, it's funny how you know how the you know how the saying goes like money finds money. It's it's like Kyle Hamilton is not going to have it be where it's like my penalty cost us points. Like, no, they scored a touchdown anyway, because that's the way the universe works for guys yeah. like that. It's like I took off my helmet and I got a penalty, but we scored a touchdown anyway. So no, no one cares. It didn't even end up mattering. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sort of on that note, I think for me, the thing I liked the most, not just with this game, but really all of college football being back. I'm so excited to see packed crowds and just crazy college football atmospheres again. It really started for me on Thursday, watching Minnesota and their season opener against Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota's not like a crazy environment by any means, but just seeing the packed crowd, it got me really, like, even more excited for this weekend. Got me nervous for this weekend, honestly, the <laughs> yeah, way Ohio seriously. State played that game. <laughs> yeah, honestly. 
But I think we could all agree college football was just a shell of itself last season without the crowds, the tailgates, and every, everything that we really missed during that pandemic season. And even the crowd was going against Notre Dame on Sunday. That feeling and that enjoyment of seeing uh, your team silence the home crowd, like it's intoxicating. And it clearly affected the players. and They really relished in those moments like the one we just mentioned with Kyle Hamilton. I mean, if his first instinct is to stare down the crowd, he's like, it's obviously been on his mind. He taunted them quite a bit after the first celebration, too. Yeah. He was like doing the chop and shush them. And uh, Joe Wilkins made sure to let the crowd know he bullied their corner, Travis J, on that touchdown grab. I love moments like that. Um, obviously, not in situations when like Notre Dame, Georgia, a couple years ago, when it clearly totally ruined the offense's poise and composure. I think we had like, yeah. what, eight false starts penalties yeah. in that game? But uh, definitely enjoyed seeing the fans back in the stands. And I can't wait for this Saturday against Toledo. Luke and I, as we mentioned before, we're going to be there. Can't wait uh, to see, you know, 80,000 in Notre Dame Stadium again. But someone who wasn't affected at all by the crowd is Jack Cohn. I mean, look, there's so much we can say about his performance. But what stuck out to me was how much trust he has in his teammates. He's never rattled. You know, the moment was never too big. And he was unfazed by the crowd. And honestly, despite very shaky play from the offensive line throughout the game, and I'm sure we're going to get into that more in a second here. Uh, Cone was really never phased in the pocket. He got sacked a few times, and he was dealing with pretty relentless pressure all night. But he stayed in the pocket, delivered the ball on time over and over. It was really great to see. Um, And he also showed just how much trust he has in his receivers as well. I mean, that was on full display on the touchdown passes to Austin and Joe Wilkins because both came on third down critical moments in the game and on neither of those two plays, like the receivers were not open. They were well covered. And the fact that he just recognized a one-on-one matchup and believed in his guys to make the play threw it up. And they, they both delivered Luke. I know you and I have been pretty critical of the receivers of the past couple of years. And I'd say, you know, rightfully so, but how did you feel about them um, after Sunday? I mean, yeah, it was definitely nice to see them make some plays. Uh, I'll also say, just as an aside, Mark Edwards, for former Notre Dame running back or fullback, was sitting in front of us at this game. And when we scored on that third and one to Austin, he turned around and said to us, you know what third and one in 1996 was? Like, I don't know, a run. He said, a run to Mark Edwards. (laughs) (laughs) So I got a kick out of that. But uh, Cool. Sick, man. (laughs) Yeah. But it was also like, and I think, I don't know who was talking about this, but last year, obviously, in those short yardage situations, you kind of just knew Notre Dame was just going to pound and pound away. And you saw last night, they kind of had to go to the pass game in some of those spots. So, and they, and they came up big. So, that was really good to see, uh, see, see receivers make plays on the ball that I just feel like I haven't seen in two years, I guess, really, for Notre Dame now. Um, and also, I think you said this to me last night, Jack Cohn's just going to be a really fun guy to root for. Like, he does not seem to get very rattled. He's very composed. I liked his post-game press conference, too. And, uh, I mean, what a, what a great first game for him. But I'm just really excited we get to root for that guy this year. Absolutely. And Greg, you've been kind of on this all summer, though, defending Dell Alexander. How do you feel about the receivers on Sunday? I mean, look, this is like this is Dell's greatest, uh, greatest time. All right. He's got a bunch like five senior receivers, right? Like the seniors. Those are his guys. So, um, no, it, it I mean, I don't know. Let's I'm trying to think, like, was there an obvious receiver error in this game? I can't think of one, especially not in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, I can't. Yeah. So I. I, yeah. So I, you know, like they got opportunities when they got opportunities, they made the plays. 
Um, Joe Wilkins, it's awesome because he's a Florida kid. So that's uh, that's a lot of meaning for him. And is it Austin uh, too? I think Austin's yeah, a Florida. Yeah, say, yeah. He's up Broward, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a funny story, Luke, because it's very good that I was not there. Mark Edwards telling me that because I remember uh, hit the the opening game in 1996 since he would mention it against Vanderbilt when he fumbled four times. <laughs> I remember that very well. So it's good that I wasn't there because yeah. I probably would have had some comment. Um, no, and it's, it, you know, Jack Cohn, like I agree with everything you guys said. I wonder if you guys had the same experience as me, just like taking him in. And I was thinking about it, just watching a quarterback like him, who's just like kind of standing there. I don't want to say statue, but I mean, he's not mobile right. and it's like, we haven't had someone like that since Reese. Yeah. Because because um, Everett in 14, uh, Zaire and Kaiser in 15 and 16, Brandon and then Ian, like everyone could move. And it was interesting watching the game. And as, you know, the, the pocket would come and it's like you could see come when it's kind of collapsing. It's like, oh, he'll escape there. And then he doesn't. Like he, he just kind of eats it. And it's like, I don't like this, you know? And then – and then he'll drop a dime to Kevin Austin for a touchdown. And then he'll, you know, he'll find uh, Joe Wilkins. He'll give him a shot. Um, and, you know, obviously he's consistently finding Mayer and that sort of thing. I mean, not if not for Mayer, you know, dropping the ball at the end of regulation, I mean, he's leading a drive with 40 right. seconds left to win on the road, right? Like Mayer's going to get around the 20, maybe like 37-yard field goal to win. So, um you know, I, he, he, he would have had that on his resume in his first game. So um, it was very, it was encouraging to see on that front for sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You say that, that it, it seems like it's been so long since we've had a quarterback like that, because coupling that with just kind of like the over pursuing and missed tackles on defense, I felt like I was watching a Notre Dame game from like 2009 at some point. So I was like, this yeah. just looks like, but no, yeah, it was definitely a different way to take that in. Cause I just felt like you're right. We haven't had that in a really long time now. One thing that was a little bit surprising to me was when Cone was at Wisconsin, he liked to distribute the ball around to a bunch of different guys. Um, there were only three different receivers who caught a pass. And the stats won't blow you away by any stretch. The receivers alone combined for seven receptions, 153 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, obviously, you know, if Michael Mayer, the tight end, is the main point of the passing game, they might not always rack up a ton of stats. But when they were counted on, you know, they delivered another play. I think, Greg, you tweeted about this that was pretty critical early on was Braden Lindsay's catch on the deep out yeah. uh, on the opening drive of the game. Notre Dame was dealing second and 17, I believe it was. Lindsey made a difficult catch on the sideline that set up the touchdown for Mayer two plays later. Um, we didn't see Avery Davis much at all, which I thought was a little bit surprising. It'll be interesting to see how they continue to rotate these receivers going forward. But all season long, um, there's been a lot of talk from within the program that this group was going to be considered a strength. And, you know, on Sunday, I think they definitely showed that they could be and have the potential to grow even more as the season moves on. Yeah, Davis and Keys, those were the two guys that were just kind of absent. I mean, they were out there, but yeah. not a, really a part of anything, not targeted. So, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting uh, something to watch going forward. Definitely. And it wasn't all pretty. Um, we like to start <laughs> off with the good, but there was you know, plenty of things that Notre Dame needs to work on, some holes that might be exposed. And, Greg, we can lead off with you. What concerned you the most coming out of Sunday? 
well, so in the last like hour, I've been kind of watching the the game back, and there have been some tweets from 18 Stripes, and I was just watching myself. I don't really know what Freeman was doing in that like third, like that 38-20 defensively. It, it, yeah. It did not, it does not make sense. It did not at the time. It just like you're just getting run on. You're sitting there and you got five in the box against five blockers. The guards have free releases to the linebackers. You've got Justin Adamalola playing middle linebacker. You've got Foskey playing middle. Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't, I don't it, it was, it was, yeah. it was, it's, it's very, like, it makes me very worried. Like, why were we, why were the players put in this position? And, and I feel like that's something we never saw just 2017 on, right? Like Elko plus Lee, like whatever that defense was, we never saw that. We never saw like these guys are not put in the correct position to make plays here. And, and they were just getting killed and it was never changed. It was never accounted for. Um, so that, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I would, you know, I, I think I'm going to guess one of you is going to bring up the line. So, I'm going to say I didn't like the way Tyree and Williams helped the line. Just watching it back, like I was, it just seemed like they had too many opportunities where they were trying to get outside when it's like, you just stay, stay with the play, like stay with where it should go. Um, Tyree especially was, he's just kind of hesitant for a bit. Um, he needs to be a little bit more decisive. I felt like Kyron picked the wrong hole a couple of times. So you're just like, it's just looking for more. Um, and like, if the line is going to struggle at all, they, they need those guys to, when it's like, when there's yards there, they need to get them. Um, so there's that part of it. And then there were, you know, Tommy, it's, it's like, he's, he, I like the way he's, calling the game and then i really hate it like he'll go from he'll segments he'll have segments where i feel like everything he's doing is good like i felt like the first quarter was just really he was calling a really good game and then suddenly he stopped he, he's just like running the ball especially in the fourth quarter when it was just like are, are we trying to just get first downs or are we trying to score now and you don't have this like everyone knows you don't have the same offense it's those it's not it's different right you don't have the tight ends you don't have tommy tremble anymore you don't have those linemen so you need to keep doing what you're doing because pretty clearly the defense is not slowing them down at the moment and i felt like they were just kind of in between there so that's it for me i, I those three things were the the things that just kind of like i don't know, like this yeah, let's stay with the offensive line, though, a little bit more because I think, you know, there, that was a big question mark going into the season. Obviously, you know, four new starters, Kane Madden transferring in his first game in a Notre Dame uniform. Um, and let's just be honest, it was it was pretty shaky. Uh, how did you feel about that group after Sunday and then sort of looking ahead um, as the season goes on? I'm always less um, alarmed by the line as most people. I thought th- I thought they played... I thought they played pretty well, especially pass blocking. Like you don't have a quarterback that can move. So he's not going to get out of anything. He's not going to throw the ball away. He's, he's just, he's eating the ball. If, if there's a little bit of pressure, he he'll try to slide somewhere, but if he can't, he's just going to eat it. Um, 
So they gave up the four sacks, but beyond that, you know, for as, as, as much as he's not moving the pocket, as much as he's not scrambling around, I thought they, they blocked for him pretty well, especially when you consider Blake Fisher got hurt and he got hurt in the first half. And then that's a pretty big deal. So Carmody came in, he gave up the one where he just, I don't, he, he was laid off the snap and then he, for some reason, just didn't go to the defensive end who was pretty clearly yeah, like it's your guy. And so he gave up a sack on that one. But beyond that, I thought he was strong. So I, I don't know. I, I probably, it, we need to see how good Florida state is defensively, like just on the defensive line for one. Yeah. And then, you know, they, they have time to get things figured out against, um, you know, Toledo and Purdue before, you know, they get to Wisconsin. So I, I'm not as worried about the line as, probably most people not that most people shouldn't be worried it's just like i i tend to think and had just kind of thought going in this is the worst they're gonna look so just they won the game you know the offense scored 38 points in regulation i'm i'm good with that yeah that makes sense luke what about you what uh concerned you the most yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned those tweets from 18 Stripes because I also saw those in the last hour. And it was in real time, I was wondering why we were stuck in a three-man front for so long as they kept gashing us on the ground. But the personnel was just a little bit alarming to me. Like, it almost just seems like we didn't really know what our personnel was, what their strengths were. Just like you said, having Foskey, a middle linebacker at one point, Adamalola, inside linebacker too. And I just, as I was watching that, fourth quarter which was as a fan objectively miserable Horrible. um I, I was i was just kind of like standing on a bleacher just like one arm on my knee just like kind of keeled over like why do i enjoy watching this sport like this is exactly like it's it's a lot less stressful when it's not your team um but it looked like a like a, like a john tenuta defense just kind of over pursuing everything and missing tackles like i just because in the first half like i felt like they actually got in the backfield a decent amount. They just missed tackles. Um, so I don't know. That was alarming. The personnel, I think, is the bigger piece for me. So we'll see how they grow. Um, I, I trust that they will, but it's definitely not a great debut in that sense. Um, the other thing, and I, like, listen, this didn't really, well, it almost did impact the game, but that's not why they blew a lead. Just ACC refs making a game closer than it needed to be. Uh, that running into the kicker call that should have been roughing the kicker. It was just so egregiously missed. Like he was completely spun around. And when I saw the guy make like the kicking motion before they came on the like announcement and made it, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like he must've just made the wrong motion. Right. Like he just got spun around completely. And then of course, what comes out of that is Kelly and Polian. Polian was, I think more irate than Kelly actually initially, but Kelly's irate. And so then people on the internet end up talking about that. Like it's 2011 purple face USF, Brian Kelly. And because they just love using the same old tropes over and over again. So that was annoying. Also the fumble turning completion, which ironically may have cost Florida state the game because the kid nailed the, the field goal from 50 and then missed the shorter one. But I don't know how they were able to overturn that either. Um, I don't know. That was really frustrating. Just like the way things were going. Um, and then I guess just the third one, and this is pretty specific just to Florida state. Um, 
their concession stands were just <laughs> terrible. Like they actually did sell beer in that stadium, and I didn't even get one the entire game because the line just did not move, and I didn't want to miss the game. So uh, clearly, they were a little bit overwhelmed by that. I guess they haven't had that many fans in that stadium in a while, maybe. Um, but that was kind of just really annoying and aggravating from a fan perspective. But I will say, Florida State, I had a much better experience uh, with the fans than I expected to. Really, did not have many hostile fans down in Tallahassee. So go figure. The referee point is uh, it's like, you can only ref towards a close game for so long before the gods get you. Yeah. Cause that's what it is. Like when you're, so it's, I would think it was like 38, 28 when the roughing happened. And it's like, you yeah. don't, you need the, you need the ball to go back to Florida state. So the game can get good. Right. It can't be, you can't give Notre Dame a first down cause they go down and score then the game's over. And then that's no fun. Right. So you're, you always ref towards a close game. So it has to be a running into. And then with the, the fumble and the – he's trying to – he fumbled the ball because he's trying to put his other hand back on it. That's not throwing a pass. And no one thinks it's yeah. throwing a pass. Yeah. And and even the even the fumble on the kickoff return. Yeah. Like, yeah. Look, it, it's probably not a fumble, but show me show me the, the angle where you can absolutely tell. Yeah, exactly. Every angle that I saw, at least in the stadium, just was obstructed. So there was no like, you could you on TV. You, there was no angle that you saw where it's like, no, he's losing the ball after. Like you can't tell. Yeah, but whatever. Like that. What to me that was like, okay. Like I don't think he's fumbling, so it's fine. But if it was Notre Dame, that I don't think that's getting turned around. So that was yeah, yeah. It just uh, yeah, it just seemed like. Everything like that was like, it's going to be one of those nights. Just everything that like is, it's just all trending in that direction where there's something yeah. that's going to happen here ultimately. And then calls like that only contribute to that. Yeah. I guess if there's one positive to take from all of the miscues and dealings with the ref, that that's a game that old Notre Dame loses 10 out of 10 times. Oh yeah. So oh, we've yeah. certainly figured out a way to win these close games. Like I know it kind of gets repeated over and over. This team knows how to win, but for a group with a bunch of new starters, they really do. That's, I mean, you blow an 18 point lead on the road in a hostile environment. It takes a lot, you know, to turn around, especially on the defense, you know, come up with a big three and out in that overtime force a field goal attempt. It really is comforting to know that this team is now officially dealt with some real adversity and it might've taken a while, but they certainly stepped up to the plate. One thing that really bothered me though, was the big plays on defense as Pete Sampson from the athletic pointed out in his article, you know, in three full seasons under Clark Lee as the defensive coordinator, Notre Dame allowed just three 60-yard plays in total. And during that time, Notre Dame only allowed 35 points in regulation just one time. And obviously, Freeman's already given up a few of those. And look, I get it. I understand that his style is a little bit more aggressive. Um, that showed a little bit. Notre Dame was able to get after the quarterback consistently, brought Travis down for five sacks, I think. But giving up chunk plays like they did simply can't happen, especially to an offense who I don't think any of us think are going to be, you know, kind of dominating the rest of their schedule. And those plays kept Florida State in the game. And better teams are going to be able to capitalize those even more. Um, Fortunately, I do think things like the missed tackles, we saw DJ Brown just completely whiff on that run fit that led to that 89-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. Kyle Hamilton, too, took a bad angle there. I like to think that those things can be fixed with some coaching, but you know, you got the play where Houston Griffith got burnt on the outside for a touchdown. I don't know how fixable that is. That just 
at a certain point comes down to the skill level of the players we have, particularly on the back end. Um, so I thought that was a little bit worrisome. Also, it seems absurd to criticize Michael Mayer, considering he had nine catches for 120 yards and a touchdown, but it could have been way better. We've already mentioned it before. He had two crucial drops. Both times, it looked like he was turning his eyes upfield to make a run after the catch before actually securing the ball. And neither of those plays, he really needed to make a play upfield. Uh, the first one, it was a third down. He was already well past the first down marker, could have just caught the ball, gone down. Um, I saw some tweets saying that wasn't a great ball by Jack Cohn. It may be a little low, but a mayor has to come up with that catch. Instead, Notre Dame has to punt. And Deshaun Corbin breaks off that huge touchdown run a couple plays later. Then on the last drive of regulation, Cone found Mayer again over the middle. You know, he's got the first down. If he catches the ball right there and goes down, Notre Dame's in field goal range with the chance to win it. And he just dropped it. Like, he was looking upfield. And I get it. Mayer's elite after the catch. And, you know, there's going to be plays this year where he catches it in front of the first down markers, makes a play, and gets a first down. But I don't know. That was... uh Whenever you can't count on your big players in moments like that, it's it's really just frustrating because they know he's better than that. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, was it actually three drops, not two? I thought I remembered a third, on, on like another situation where it was past first down marker in, in the fourth quarter as well. Um, it might not have been a great ball. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of got flashbacks to that Clemson round one last year with that a little bit, just trying to make a play a little bit too early, but... Hopefully fixable things. You're right. It's, it seems absurd to criticize him, but uh, those were almost pretty pretty big plays. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be that guy, the plays need to be made. I mean, and it's like it kind of goes right. without saying, right? Like no one has to tell him you got to catch the ball yeah. like that you do. And right. it's it's just kind of like it comes with it. You know, you're, you're going to be an All-American. You're going to be a first-round pick, you know. You're the guy who needs to make the plays. You just got to make the plays, but you you know you count on it, right? Like you just say, "Hey, we're we're going to keep going to you." You know, you just got to do it. Yeah, he's definitely going to have more opportunities to deliver in key moments. I did think it was funny though. I came out of the game wearing no gloves, and I was like, "Wow, this looks cool, badass." Just wrist tape after that first drop. Next series, had gloves on. But <laughs> yeah, maybe put them on. They're incredibly beneficial. Also. The last thing, and, and Luke, you've already mentioned it, the national media overreacting to Brian Kelly. Look, I'm a Kelly guy. Luke, you and I both have defended him a lot in recent years, and he's proven us right way more often than not. Now you've got people going after him again um, for a joke he made on the field after the game. We haven't talked about it yet. We're, I'll just play it out now. This game had it all. Yeah. What did you think of your team's ability to withstand Florida State's impressive comeback? Yeah, yeah. Uh... You know, I'm, I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Yeah, probably, you know, not the best delivered joke of all time. <laughs> well, the, the John McKay line was great, if you've seen it the is. original one. Uh, yeah. It was a little bit more timely because the reporter kind of, like, teed that question up for him. This time it felt a little bit forced. But, look, he was trying to be funny. It wasn't. I think I've already tweeted from the Suns account. Anyone who cares about that is pretending to care. I think the overreaction on both sides is a little bit over the top, whatever. That's how it goes now. But the thing that really bothered me was after that roughing the or running into the kicker call, people getting mad at Brian Kelly for the way he reacted. And I saw some tweets saying like, oh, this is vintage Brian Kelly and screenshots of him ripping into the referee after that bullshit call. Like what coach isn't going to react that way? if such a terrible call goes against your team and have such major implications on the outcome. And that was just one example. I saw a bunch of that going around and 
Like, look, anyone who's actually put off by Kelly's reaction there has either never played football or never been a part of any legitimate competition in their life. Like, these coaches, these players are extreme competitors. That call came at a critical moment and was just wrong. Like, if they, if they call roughing like they should have, Notre Dame has a first down in good field position and can run out the clock. Like, of course he's going to be livid when that call goes the other way. I don't know. I was just... I was really bothered by that, and uh, just, I don't know, just annoying because that's the one game that's on TV. Everyone's watching it. Now we got to deal with this narrative again about Brian Kelly, just his demeanor and everything. Like, you, you'd think we were done with this by now, but here we go again. Yeah, it's funny. When that happened, all I was concerned about was uh, this could impact the spread. Didn't realize <laughs> it was going to end up making it a, a tie game in, like, five minutes from then, so – that was not great. Um, and yeah, I was just as angry as Kelly. I just, I don't know that I showed it, but uh, I'd like to think I did <laughs> in the stands. But uh, but I, I thought he had every right to do what he did out there and Polian as well. Well, it's like he's, he's got breaking news. A coach is mad that his team got screwed on a call. Yeah. Like, it's funny how people, people who like clearly don't follow the team or like barely even follow the sport. Yeah. Like, I think the guy from the athletic who made his little quote or whatever, I think he's a baseball guy. Like, Oh, Andrew Baggerly? Yeah. yeah, he's the San Francisco Giants beat writer, <laughs> and he called out Kelly. I don't know that I saw I don't know that I saw that. It's honestly a good thing, Luke. It's honestly good. Right. <laughs> Probably is a good thing. Here we go. If it if it's even still up, yeah. Hold on. Meanwhile, I have to dig through a bunch of Giants tweets to get to this. <laughs> Here's the tweet from Andrew Baggerly, if you haven't seen it already. It's just a quote tweet of Kelly saying the execution thing after the game. Um, quote, if you're a massively talented high school football recruit with a potential offer from Notre Dame, just remember that some coaches will always throw you under the bus when things don't go well to save their skin, oh. end quote. Yeah, I mean, I think any rational person would listen to that Kelly quote and recognize that as like a real threat. Like he's actually going to execute his entire roster. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was a good one. Just- what? It's like the Giants guy is the Giants who are playing like a big series against the Dodgers right now. Like he's he's locked into Brian Kelly. And, and it's and it's yeah. like to me, it's funny how the whole like he's, he did something in 2011, like literally a decade ago. And now it's just like follows yeah. him wherever he goes. It's so funny to me. And just the whole thing is fine. You want to get mad? Get great. Like baggerly, like don't send your kid to Notre Dame. Then yeah, what is he trying to say? If you're a massively talented high school football recruit, just remember: if you go to Notre Dame, your coach's thoughts about killing you—he's <laughs> going to kill you. Yeah. Well, that was the best. Today's injury Fortuna report: Notre Dame alive. Fortuna tweeted something about like Kelly was lighthearted when asked about the quote, explaining it was a McKay tweet or McQuay quote, and uh, this guy replied to Fortuna's tweet saying oh it was a joke he's not gonna brutally murder an entire team of 18 to 22 year olds phew <laughs> seriously though this is like we're laughing at how ridiculous this is, but this was the reaction we should, it should, we should have gone back at him like wait throw him under the bus like literally throw them under the bus is that what yeah. you're talking about oh man i wish some reporter asked like kyle hamilton after the game like do you feel worried about your own safety yeah following the game is anyone feeling oh, insecure man. about like? Do you think you will make it home? I was I was reminded of actually the way my senior year of high school, my baseball coach was fired for a comment he made post game to us, where he said, "I'm so pissed right now. If I had a gun, you'd all be dead." I think that was a little worse <laughs> than that one. That seems like a little bit more direct. 
Yeah, I mean, and he was fired for it. So, but <laughs> I think Brian Kelly has job security. I think he's okay. He's built up enough equity to have like a passive execution remark. I think he'll be all right. Oh my god. Oh man. All right. Um, let's finish off here with uh, who had the best flight home. Look, Notre Dame got back from Tallahassee. I think like four thirty this morning. Um, after playing a game like that, a lot of you know a lot of emotion going through a lot of the players. But really, who do you think? Enjoyed that ride home the most. Greg, we'll start with you. I mean, my, my guy, Kyle. Well, who, who, like, first of all, he had the most um, viral play of the game, right? So he's, yeah. he probably spent the whole flight just scrolling through all the tweets, like Dan Jeremiah even shouted it out. I mean, and he's like the GOAT scout. So um, I would have to say Kyle. Two picks, pass broken up. One play for, like, the, the ages. Absolutely. Yeah. Hard to argue. I'm going to go with John Doerr. Um, I think that had to be super gratifying for him, especially after that kind of the way he did fall off down the stretch last year. So I'll go with him there. Um, I saw like Pat McAfee gave him a shout out to on Twitter. So I'm sure he had a share of nice tweets to read about himself, which I, I guarantee kickers typically don't have. I'm sure his <laughs> counterpart from Florida State doesn't have that. So um, John Doerr, I'm going with John Doerr. That's your, is this just the beginning of the John Doerr revenge tour? Ooh. It might be. <laughs> is he just giving nails this season? <laughs> Could be. Um, mine, is, mine is Jack Cohn. I mean, the guy got to live out his childhood dream on Sunday night, being the starting quarterback for Notre Dame. Played phenomenal, leads them to a victory. And I think, you know, the whole outlook on this season changes a little bit when you have a quarterback like him. And it just got to be a huge boost to his confidence. And, just really his whole family. I mean, they're Notre Dame fans. He grew up a fan. And, you know, it's only one season in Notre Dame uniform, but I really don't think it could have gone much better for him. Mm-hmm. Hard to argue with that. All right, that's all I got. You guys got anything more you want to add? I would just say, you know, it's uh, you always want to win. Want to know. Yeah, winning is hard. Isn't that the Brian Kelly quote? <laughs> yeah, and he said it didn't really seem like the players were, like, too enthused after the game. He was almost pleading yeah. for them to, like, be happier, which I think is probably a good thing. I will say when they walked over to our corner for the alma mater, they looked absolutely despondent. Like they, like they did not look excited at all that they won the game, but Hey, like, like you said, they won a lot of games. Like they've shown they can win these games the last few years, but this was the first time they've done that with this group and like a lot of new faces, honestly. So uh, I think that's a big step, even if it came about as a result of almost choking away an 18 point lead. So, Hey, a win's a win. And uh, I'm happy to never go back to Tallahassee again. Any final thoughts from you, Greg? No, that's it, man. I just, uh, thanks again for having me on. It was really fun. No problem, man. That'll do it for this episode of Sun Saturday Irish. Greg, thanks again for taking the time to come on. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely do this again soon. For all of our listeners out there, be sure to give Greg a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at Greg2126. Um, and check out his work on UHND.com all season long. Luke and I will be back this Friday uh, to get you ready for the home opener against Toledo. Um, in the meantime, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Sons of Sat Irish. Talk to you soon.